Hey guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever, and this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? It is, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do I make a global warming joke or do I make a monsoon joke about the weather in Tennessee? Oh, man. And then I'm oh, like, man. neither I... is funny. I should do something completely different. And I just froze like a deer in the head. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's the point at which you're like, you know, like there are several options that begin uh, doing a montage through your brain, and you're like, none of none of them. I, the best option is to do nothing right now. <laughs> the limit does not exist. <laughs> oh my god! I now honestly, with the weather thing, like I, I know that like talking about the weather in your city is like sort of stock conversation. Listen to me. It has in the last week in Los Angeles. It's been raining balls for a week now, and I. Quincy, I'm so happy. Like, I, I miss rain all the time, and so getting just, like, torrential downpour, it's it's the fucking greatest. So you're getting your Shirley Manson on? I am indeed only happy, which means that I, for the rest, for the other, like, 363 days a year, fucking miserable. But for those two, very happy. Um, now, it's also amazing, though, because uh, Tinkerbell uh, is very dainty and did not previously like the rain, Um she has now taken to reign with renewed old lady gusto. Like she's like a spry older lady who's um, realizing the joys of splashing in puddles and drinking gross water. So I'm just I'm I'm just so pleased for her that she is branching out in her old age. Man, dogs love stagnant gross water. <laughs> Why yeah, do you I mean, don't, just like we love terrible terrible movies? Dogs exactly. are like. Grossly, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, dogs, I'm sorry for trying to dunk on you because then I realize who I am and <laughs> I take it all so, back. Which leads into our first movie, Wacko. No, it's now honestly, you know what it is? Puddle water for dogs, it's just like deluxe water. Like, it, it's like water with like bonus content. And it's like, oh shit, there's like gross leaves and dirt and shit in this. And it's, you know, just something, something more, something different. To be fair, uh, so, I will drink a, um, so I have an Arctic because I'm that dude who oh, has an Arctic mug. I only have one, good. and it was a gift. But I will drink water that has been sitting in that for far longer than is appropriate. So, oh, so extra flavors are something that I'm I'm familiar with. <laughs> See, I'm I'm disgusting. Like if there's a, a Diet Coke can that's been in the car for like a few days. I will still drink it. Fucking like, I, same. I, I will drink Taco yeah. Bell cups, which that's like <laughs> definitely has mold in it, but I'll it's do just it. Like, it's like mature Baja Blast at that point. Like it's it's well seasoned. It's been in the car. It's 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 like spaghetti sauce that gets better the longer you refrigerate it. Only the longer you leave it in a hot car, I the, mean, the more flavorful the soda becomes. You, I learned to drink old coffee from you. I learned it from watching you, <laughs> I Ryan. It from watching you. But I really do like to come home after a long day of work and finish the coffee I made that morning. Oh, absolutely! It 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 uh, uh, gives you a feeling of like you know full circle, like you've you've done an entire day and come back and you finish what you started at the beginning of this day. So. I had a human being dare to utter to me at 2.15, isn't it a little late for coffee? Wow. No. <laughs> and I'm no. like, no. 
<laughs> and like I did not join in any witty repartee. I'm like, no. And I turned around and kept drinking my coffee. Well, I mean, I, I feel like there are like several sort of like bumper sticker responses you could have had to that where it's like, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. But like in that moment, someone's like, isn't two o'clock a little late for coffee? I feel like it's just like, I'm only going to say no because the other response is just like a gurgling sound and my eye leaking water. To be fair, it was an intervention and a lot of people are concerned <laughs> for me. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those bracing Thursday afternoon interventions. Have I ever you know, told it's... you my fan theory for Lucha Underground? No. That Matt Stryker has a family that is a la Patty Hearst family. They're like, just please come home, Matt. We're so worried about <laughs> you. Especially I... because in season one, he's constantly talking about bar fights and Vampiro... No sells it. It's like, what are you talking about, Matt? I don't know what that is. And Matt, Matt's honestly, like, you know, when you get in a fight on the street and Vampire's like, I've never gotten in a street fight in my life. Vampiro, <laughs> the man who runs a street crew. Right. The guy who is like legitimately like has actual getting cut in real life credentials. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who's been mugged by people before. <laughs> yeah. And I fended think... them off. Oh my god. Honestly, that like Vampiro like the commentary team on Lucha Underground, which by the way, I hadn't watched them for like a year or so, and then, you know, I sort of tuned back in and was like, I wonder what's going on in the old Lucha Underground and saw that Jack Swagger was the champ right now, and then sort of went, Oh, oh no. And then just like quietly turned it off and I haven't gone back since. See, I haven't uh, seen it, but I have been watching Impact and following the um the going to literal hell storyline. <laughs> so, now, you know, right. the, the the thing where they wrestle in Christian hell. Oh, you need to wrestle in Christian hell. This is, there is a match we should do on this podcast at some point, which was a late 90s WCW match between Vampiro and, uh, are you familiar with the Kiss Demon? Like Gene Simmons? Yes, but are you familiar with the wrestler, the Kiss Demon? No. So, <laughs> so uh, Gene Simmons had a deal with World Championship Wrestling. And in the late 90s, there was a wrestler called The Demon, who was literally just a Gene Simmons-themed wrestler who was like had the demon makeup. And he would just wrestle matches, and he would come out to kiss, and his thing was that he was the kiss demon. There is a graveyard match between the kiss demon and Vampiro, where it's it takes place in a cemetery and they sort of fart around a cemetery and pretend to hit each other with gravestones. One of my um, favorite graveyard matches is the culmination of the Kane Undertaker feud back when Nexus was a thing in WWE oh yeah. because uh, they literally cover the Undertaker with a backhoe full of dirt. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Although I, I, I honestly. In terms of, like, bizarre gimmick demon matches, do you ever sometimes think about when you used to like Bray Wyatt? Man, I miss Bray. I meant, honestly, Bray Wyatt was one of the reasons I got back into wrestling, because I saw a clip of him making John Cena upset with a choir full of children in sheet masks, and... Back in, like, 2013, that was, like, I don't know what I'm looking at, but I know this is the greatest thing I've ever seen, and I think I need to watch wrestling again. 
And so to see what happened to Bray Wyatt, like being a Bray Wyatt mark is to suffer. Yeah. So this week I played the Famicom Devil Man game. Did you know they made a Devil Man tie-in video game? Well, how? How can you do a Devil Man video game? Well, it's a beat 'em up, but you also what? have to talk to people. So, like, you're on the street as regular old plain Akira, and you're walking around, and there's zombies, and you can't do anything. And then you walk down the street and go search through houses until you find your friends, and then you turn into Devil Man, and then you claw at the monsters. And that's about as far as I got when I realized that just because I could play it didn't mean Uh I had to play it. Holy shit! I that's I, I love that it is a uh, it sounds like a, a dialogue based beat 'em up. It is. It's a it's the plot of any Devil Man where Akira is totally searching for that other guy that I can never remember his name. Oh, uh, Rio. Yeah, Rio. Akira is searching for Rio, and then Rio's like, "Why don't you be a devil?" And then you turn into a <laughs> devil and beat people up. That's I'm just choosing to like that's literally just the plot is him going, I'm Devil Man, and then Rio pops up on his shoulder like a devil, just go, yeah, or Devil Man. He's like, okay, and then he's and now he's the devil. I'm um, so hyped because um I ordered the first volume of Devil Man Grimoire, which if you don't know is Devil Man but gorier somehow. Mm-hmm. It's like the extreme version of Devil Man, as if Devil Man itself is not the extreme version of Devil Man. <laughs> yeah, honestly, Devil Man is one of those anime that like I, I feel like when you watch it with somebody else, you become aware of how insane it is, but when you're just by yourself watching it, you're like yeah, this might as well happen. This is fine. I also love that uh, it's based off of Go Nagai's previous manga, Demon Lord Dante. And they're like, that's a little on the nose. Let's <laughs> let's curve it back to Devil Man. Absolutely. Um, so uh, we. Oh God. All right. So we should we should jump into our uh, into the first movie we're doing. So all that is to say that nostalgia is a lie. Now let's talk about Goosebumps too. <laughs> That's yeah. That's pretty much like you know, uh, b- boats born ceaselessly back into the past. So Goosebumps two, which uh, was what from last year, twenty eighteen. Yeah, it's a twenty eighteen film, an actual uh, movie that got a theatrical release. Man, well, okay, I think the the full title technically is Goosepump Goosepumps. Excuse me. Oh, Goosepumps, which is the uh, Goosebumps porn parody. Um, Goosebumps two colon Goosepumps Slappy's Revenge. <laughs> I hate this. Um, it was like what Goosebumps two Halloween, ha- not Halloween Havoc. That's a. It doesn't matter. It's not good. WCW pay per view. So this movie is very bad, and it uh, follows the the oddly pretty good Goosebumps movie. Yeah, yeah, man. The Goosebumps movie is pretty good, and this is like, what if we do the exact same thing, but for some reason we ignore the continuity of the original. Which, like, yeah. I'm not a huge continuity fan because I enjoy, you know, Friday the 13th and, oh, sure. and, and Nightmare on Elm Street. So, like, continuity, or even Phantasm, like, continuity doesn't matter. 
No, but it for doesn't some matter. reason, I found this movie so irksome that Slappy shows up and he's a totally new Slappy. Yeah, so he's not the Slappy from the previous movie. Except that he is. Except that he's not. Except that he's not. And it's it's I, I dislike... All right, so the plot of this film is that it's a Goosebumps reboot movie where um, it's uh, a meta-comedy children's horror thing where he... Okay, so Slappy the Dummy, who is, like, the only character from Goosebumps anybody knows off the top of their head... I think this is really unfair because Curly is such a better series mascot and we have mm-hmm. we have neglected curly for far too long he's a well, goddamn please... skeleton with a purple mohawk and glasses a, it's and amazing, an ascot but... <laughs> which this is you know a sort of malcolm mclaren we need him to have a, a mohawk but also uh, a fancy boy ascot for purposes um they so slappy the dummy in this uh, they've decided that his thing is that he wants to have a family so so the only way it's connected to the first movie is the concept that uh, R.L. Stein's books have to be locked up because they're so dangerous, which is genius marketing as a tie-in oh, sure. for the books. Like, they're so dangerous, you can't crack the cover open, which yeah. also speaks immensely to my childhood experience of Goosebumps, which is I never read one because the covers were too scary for me. Oh, abs- absolutely. And the Night of the Living Dummy one, I think, was the the sort of trope codifier for, like, oh, Jesus, that book is so scary. Um, and so the movie is, is obviously, like, the people that, all right, so the people this movie is ostensibly for would be millennials who have kids now? I guess. But... Like, you're not showing your kid Goosebumps too. Absolutely not. I consider, I will admit, I briefly considered it, and then I looked and saw that it was not G, and I was like, fuck this. <laughs> so, so, listen, yeah. here's the thing that happens when you have a child that uh, has a very active imagination, is anything that's slightly disturbing just results in them getting in bed with you in the middle of the night. And right. I'm living my life where I don't want a uh, very leggy, kicky child in my bed <laughs> if I don't have to have him in my bed. He just gets in bed and starts doing the can-can. It's three in the morning, and he's all hopped up on horror movies. He's doing, like, breakdance moves where he spins on his <laughs> head, and he's, like, kicking me off. He does it's that when you Simpsons him... bit where he, like, runs around, Homer Simpson bit where he runs around on the floor <laughs> and spins in a circle. Yeah, he, yeah, or like, like an Angus Young guitar solo where he's yeah on the floor spinning around. Like this is, you see your uh, your your kid just sort of. It's three in the morning. Door opens and you see him holding an unfolded pizza box, <laughs> and you're like, "Wait, what are you?" And he just throws it onto the bed and starts fucking break dancing. He's like, "I saw a horror movie." Yeah, um, yeah, that's yeah. You let so, this happen. You brought this on yourself. <laughs> Hoist it on your own petard. And and, and the thing is. Um, so the the uh, the ideal demograph uh, demographic for this movie, I kind of struggle to picture. I think um, it is eleven year olds because I think they're perennial Goosebumps fans. I mean, yeah, like like Goosebumps. Um, I I mean I mean I loved them when I was a kid because it was any kind of a horror series. 
Did you see this? I'm, I'm so sorry to um, take the spotlight away from Goosebumps, too, although it is very bad. Um, did you see any of the teaser spots for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? I saw the production stills because this might be surprising to you. I was watching Goosebumps instead of the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm sorry, I was, do we have to call it the big game? Is the no. NFL going to sue us? <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, like, the Super Bowl, I feel like as long as you don't sing the Super Bowl shuffle, you are legally not liable for it. Um, we're going to get sued. I, we're going to get sued real bad. So, <laughs> Goosebumps 2, the problem with it is, all right, this movie isn't terrible. No. It there's There are bits that are funny. So um, the It's actually plays, got a really good cast. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got the kid who plays Ben uh, from It as the, the main kid. Yeah, and then you've got uh, Wendy McClendon Covey. Is that Wait, her is name? That... Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, as the mom. Oh, yeah, no, she was, I, I don't think, I, I kept thinking that she was the blonde lady from Reno 911. She I is. Think that's someone different. Oh, that is her. Yeah, Outstanding. yeah. Now, unfortunately, it also has... Ken Jong as um, a guy. As now, just right. Ken Jong, like he just gets typecast as like <sighs> be a guy with high pitched voice. Hey, you're a guy. And well, all right, this is. It feels out of. I don't know what it is that uh, do, like Doctor Ken stuff feels very mid two thousands. Like we're just popping up in everything. Like he was great on community, but I think that he kind of pulled a David Caruso where he was popular on this one show and then decided that like, Oh, I'm going to leave this show and become a big star and be in everything. And it's like, I think he had his own show called Dr. Ken or something for like two seasons. Why, why would they do that? Why indeed. And yeah, he just played the same character as everyone else. So, like, I think my other big complaint is that the whole deal with the first movie is that it was all of your favorite Goosebumps monsters, but real life. This movie is literally Slappy the Dummy saying, let's make everything in this Fred's, literally the retail store Fred's, come to life. (laughs) So So all the monsters are just... Halloween masks that I defy you to go to any retail store chain and find a mask of that quality rubber latex. Yeah. And, um, you know, the gummy bears are kind of cool and like Bobo pumpkins and those weird witches and which are Wait. like the little dangling decorations. But yeah, it's just, just a bunch of Halloween decorations and uh, Chris Parnell for some reason. <laughs> Chris Parnell is there. I I just remembered that the gummy bear scene happened in this. Yeah, it's uh, this movie's Why? like air. There's just it's nothing. Uh, yeah, this is like uh, watching Goosebumps too. It's sort of like eating uh, nothing but Rolos for dinner. Like technically, I have consumed matter and it is in my stomach now. I am still hungry and I feel kind of sick. Like it it has no plot really aside from. Slappy the dummy wants to be your dad now, maybe? Dad, but brother, sister, he's, mother. He's, he's something that we can never comprehend, really. He kidnaps uh, Ben from its mom and wants to marry her, I guess? Honestly, 
the movie was on, but that was an hour and 30 minutes into it, and I had already kind of like given up. I, that's completely fair. However, however, the moment that you've given up, um, and not only, which by the way, not only did you give up, so did all of the kids acting in this film. So did Jack Black. Jack Black's like, oh, it's I had a starring role in the first one. I'm just gonna be in a little, a little section of this and not yeah. even give my best performance to voice. So he is the voice of Slappy the Dummy. But wait, so so he was the voice of Slappy the Dummy. But I so I looked on uh, the IMDb trivia page. Apparently, uh, Jack Black was the voice of Slappy from the first film, but they got Mick Wingert as the voice of Slappy the Dummy in this one. Are you kidding me? Nope, I shit Jack you not. Jack Black that... was on set. They couldn't say, hey, bud, step over <laughs> here and record this line real quick. Sir, okay, if you were Jack Black, would you record dialogue for this film? What else are you doing if you're Jack Black? I, Making another Tenacious D album? <laughs> I, that's actually an outstanding point. He uh, So apparently he, uh, this voice actor, was doing his best Jack Black, who was in turn doing his best Mark Hamill as the Joker in the first Goosebumps movie. So is this the same guy that does Jack Black in every other thing? Because like, there's a oh, um, Kung Fu Panda TV show, and there's like, I don't know, oh, a fuck. bunch of other stuff. So like, has this guy built his career on kinda sorta sounding like Jack Black? I I now I've just looked it up. Yeah, he is literally Poe the Panda in the TV series Kung Fu Panda. If you're going to have a proxy <laughs> a approximation of Jack Black, call this dude. Wait, holy shit, Lucy Liu voices a character on that show? Yeah. Because Why? Lucy Liu is not doing anything. No. Man, honestly, Kung Fu Panda, I, I kind of love that movie. But so, yeah, this guy is like the, the, the Kirkland signature Jack Black voiceover artist, which is, I mean, good work if you can get it, I think. Like, there there, there are worse things to do than... You know what it is? It's like how Bruce Campbell and the guy that played Shooter McGavin in Happy Gilmore... I feel like any role in the mid to late 90s, if one of them wasn't playing it, the other one was... Well, it's I mean, Mick Wingert and Jack Black. I mean, the other movie we're wa- we watched for this week, Wacko, has mm. like Academy Award nominated stars in it. It was just <laughs> decades after they got that nomination. Yeah, it's, it's all uh, about timing. Man. Well, and and so this movie. God damn it. I, I don't know. Like, I could give you the, the plot of the thing. It's basically just the first movie, but worse. Um, now, the thing is, this movie is not good, but I'm wondering if there has been generally an improvement in quality for bad movies that, like, and I'm sure you can corroborate this. If Goosebumps 2 had been made in, like, 2011 or something, it would have been bad like it would have been unforgivably bad so is it just that the market is so oversaturated with garbage something that's not absolutely absolutely putrescent kind of like flies <laughs> is that what it is i think that might be what it is because and especially if you're living that horror life and you've seen uh for example like 356 horror movies oh my god <laughs> Oh, we've chosen this. Um, like, you know, you've seen a lot of really bad movies, and so if you see something like this that's, like, basically competent, it's like, okay, this is a cool hour and a half. I can, I guess I can watch this. Um, 
the the main character in the thing uh, is a teenage girl who like bookends the thing by being like trying to do an essay on what scares her. Which, who could care? Um, the, the way that the essay is done is, like, sort of, uh, fears exist. It's pretty crazy. I want to be a writer. And then at the end of the thing, she's like, hey, Mr. R.L. Stein and Jack Black, who is, like, th- three cocktails down at this point in, the, in the, the production process, where he's just like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm R.L. Stein. And she's like, what if I want to be writer? And he's like, mm, you should write. And then drives away. And then we, it's, like, Christmas for some reason. Ugh. Yeah, and then they're so like, crazy. you know, yeah, I yeah, and then uh, you get to the end of it, and uh, Jack Black as R.L. Stein is like, oh, I'm hanging out and being R.L. Stein, and then Slappy comes out and he's like, hey, I wrote a book with you as the main character, and Jack Black is like, no, and he gets you know trapped a in a bummer? book. Is there's a what's Goosebumps up? comic book that came out a couple years ago, and it's like amazing. No shit. Yeah, because it's it's the same principle of like jumping in and out of the books, uh, and like these kids go to a used bookstore and jump into the old Goosebumps like Horror Land, and they have to fight through Horror Land, um, and it's way better than this movie. <laughs> yeah, the CG is fine. Like I I don't know. I let's 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 rank it and get this uh, poop cookie out of the way. Yeah? Better or worse than Spooky Buddies. <laughs> <laughs> I would say not as good as Spooky Buddies because literal puppies, it doesn't have the gonzo effect of like literal puppies are not sacrificed to dog Satan. You know, there's something, there's something, there's a real sheen on dog Satan. (laughs) Yeah. Dog Satan as voiced by Diedrich Bader from the Drew Carey show. It's, it's outstanding. Um, All right. So here's, here's the, the, the floor for it. I do think it is better than Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation. Now, why? Because there is anything about, like, there are a couple of chuckle moments that I had with this. Where I'm like, oh, that's that's a pretty good joke. Um, but Texas Chainsaw, the next generation is completely without merit. There's nothing to it. It's like, I mean, like Matthew McConaughey looks like he's having fun. I guess. I mean, oh, yeah, it is a very I mean, bad movie. I mean, it's... although you, you'd also get Renee Zellweger um, making Leatherface feel bad enough to sit down because he's like menacing her. She's like, no, you stop that. And he's like, Whoa, okay. Just like sits down. No, like... I think you're right. I think that, that is a better movie. That That's not as good as Goosebumps 2, but not by much. Yeah. Not, not by a whole lot. Uh, I, I, I feel, yeah. Um, now, the Hammer House of Horror uh, episode, The Silent Scream, I feel pretty good putting that just above Goosebumps 2 and putting Goosebumps 2 just above Texas Chainsaw The Next Generation. Yeah, I think that's fair. So that's number 309, Goosebumps yeah. 2. <laughs> Fuck. All right. All okay, right. Could Let's you fight. stay at the bottom of the list because now we're going to oh, talk about Wacko. It's farther down. So Wacko, all right. So movie... this is a movie that is currently for pre-order on Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome. And you know what? Blu-ray. Still thinking about buying. <laughs> you know what? Actually, this movie is very bad. But all right. So th- the plot of the movie is that it revolves around uh, Joe Don Baker, who MST3K fans will rec- recognize as Mitchell. 
Um, th- this is like it's trying to use airplane style uh, goof humor. It is just an airplane style goof humor movie. It literally tells you, this is a dream sequence. Get up now and get your popcorn. A yuck yuck. A yuck yuck. It's like they saw Better Off Dead and Airplane and were like, we can do that, but not. Also, this is Graydon motherfucking Clark who directed The Uninvited. Yeah, and now Graydon Clark, um, I I don't know how to feel about Graydon Clark, honestly. Like, I... I feel like he's sort of, uh, you know how Bing Crosby was like the Econo Frank Sinatra? I, I feel like Graydon Clark is the Econo Roger Corman. I was going to say the Econo Bob Clark. Or the Econo Bob Clark. Or the Econo John Waters. Like, you can, I, I feel like you can definitely see John Waters' influence on this thing. Because it, this movie, the movie Wacko needs to wash its hands. It has not washed its hands in years, and I'm very uncomfortable. So, what's your favorite awful joke in this movie? I think my favorite awful joke in this is just, hey, hey, here's a West Side Story-esque snapping introduction for uh, Andrew Dice Clay, whose character's name is Schlongini. (laughs) He's a part of this, and he's there. I mean, like, we're talking like a baby Andrew Dice Clay. I I did not know it was Andrew Dice Clay until you said it right now, and now I'm like, (laughs) it it was. Oh, of course it was. Like, you you couldn't quite tell because he didn't have the big vest and the, like, the giant shades that I assume he's contractually obligated to wear. Um, But he's he's a baby Clay in this, and he is sort of doing a Danny Zuko thing where he's like the... Now, all right, the movie revolves around a killer called the Lawnmower Killer who uh, traumatized the main character of the thing that it keeps having to... Like, they keep repeating a verbatim line of dialogue like, wow, it's like you've seen something terrible that you're going to have to carry with you for the rest of your life. And uh, Joe Don Baker, Mitchell... Uh, plays a uh, an alcoholic detective who has dedicated himself to bringing the lawnmower killer to justice, and he's got a constant cigarette parked between his lips, and he looks like Joe Don Baker, and it's... I mean, he's Joe Don Baker. Like, I, I can't even roast him. I'm just... I'm honestly... He's an angel, and I'm just glad he's here. Um, this movie could not even eke out a full 90 minutes. No. It is an hour and 23 it is so rough. Oh, also, um, <clears throat> Scott McGinnis plays Norman Bates, like actual Norman Bates, but a teenager. Yeah, like it's it, this. This movie is basically like I feel like. All right, now in 2019, we're looking at the movie Wacko and shitting on it because it's very bad, and that's that's as it should be. But I feel like if we were if we had been dirtbags around 1982, we would have loved this movie. Yes, and I wonder if that's because in 82, 83, there... I don't want to say there weren't good movies, <laughs> because we've definitely I mean, seen some, but like... There kind of weren't. <laughs> like, I mean, there's The Thing, I guess. Yeah, and that's ni- that's 1982, but I will tell you, <sighs> it's rough the going. best part of this movie is when, a la the chestburster in Aliens, a tiny lawnmower rips out of a guy's chest. <laughs> 
The guy who yeah. also orgasms like a lawnmower. <laughs> yeah, I the the lawnmower, which is also accompanied by, and I looked this up because I had to know. So the lawnmower killer is accompanied by. Um, so the Alfred Hitchcock presents theme, the da 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 da, which apparently I thought had been composed and done specifically for Alfred Hitchcock presents. Did you know? That piece is actually called Funeral March of a Marionette, and it's from 1872. I actually did. Shit. I didn't know it was from 1872, but I knew it was called Funeral March because I had the closed captioning on, and closed captioning, when a song goes on, the closed captioning just goes, you know, that song. <laughs> right, that classic song. And so I feel like it's, it, for some reason... Alfred Hitchcock pops up in this as a reference for no apparent reason? I mean, it's just trying to... It's that family guy, airplane, low-caliber humor where it's like, here's a thing you know. It's just tickling those synapses in your brain to go, ah, yes, I know that thing. I'm part of the club now. (laughs) Yeah, oh, I'm familiar with the works of Alfred Hitchcock. Um, I, so I can't believe I watched the whole thing at an hour and 23 minutes. It was a slog to get through. Yeah. But again, it's rough. kind of want to see what vinegar syndrome does with this Blu-ray that they're pre-ordering. It's kind of great. So Halloween, <laughs> Halloween pumpkin prom, the Halloween pumpkin prom. I mean, that alone <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, what else do you need? Everybody should, like, what? So the killer has a jack-o'-lantern head with a big nose and It's a cucumber. A it's a cucumber. A cucumber. <laughs> Thank you. I initially, you, you first see the mask in darkness, and because this is a movie that also features uh, Grimewave colon Cockface 3, I had initially thought, like, wait a minute, does that jack-o'-lantern have a dildo for a nose? Uh, no, it is, it is a cucumber. But it does tell you something about how our nerves have been shredded throughout the course of doing this podcast. Like, this Jack Lantern might have had a dildo nose, and I was prepared to accept it. Like, <laughs> You're just that's, like, that's, that's what just, we're doing here, okay. That's that's the life we've chosen. Um, the death scenes are not very good. The acting is bad on purpose. Um, oh, I forgot. Another highlight of the movie is um, when he, Joe Don Baker shoots the lawnmower in the locker uh, the, the 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 girl who's mary who's being traumatized by this uh lawnmower killer uh opens her locker and there's a threatening <laughs> miniature lawnmower and joe there's don baker lawnmower. fires like for a solid minute just <laughs> gunshot after gunshot <laughs> Yeah, and actually, and God bless Joe Don Baker, who I feel like, A, knows what movie he's in. B, they probably gave him, like, ten bucks and a friendly handshake for showing up in this film. Like, he, yeah, he just, like, fires, like, ten shots into this locker and then goes, ugh, out of bullets. And then he pulls out a tiny lawnmower and goes, mm, baby lawnmower. And it's like, good, all right, that's, yeah. Um, where... On the list, do we put this? Um, it is worse than Love at First Bite, for sure. Because that's another movie from a comparable time period, 79 instead of 82, but just oh, not man. fucking funny. Wait, you see, you said Love at First Bite, which is also very bad and also makes me angry at the sexual revolution for having produced Love at First Bite in 1979. Um, 
initially I saw love it. I heard you say love at first bite and my brain auto corrected it to uh, once bitten twice shy, which is a vampire sex comedy featuring Jim Carrey. Yeah. We haven't done that one yet. <laughs> we should. So yeah. Love. Yeah. No. Yeah. So love at first bite. Yeah. Love at first bite is sort of like what the, he's the swing in Dracula and it's, just outstandingly bad where this is like i don't know if i went over to somebody's house and i saw that they had wacko on blu-ray i'd be like i would i would know the exact cut of their ghoul jib based on that blu-ray and you'd be like yeah i'll watch it <laughs> like yeah let's watch wacko who gives a shit um so yeah so i feel really good about putting that above love at first bite is it better or worse than visiting hours uh it's better than visiting hours because visiting mm-hmm. hours is a whole lump of nothing it's yeah, it's a it's a big nothing. Okay, now all right. Is it better than Dracula Untold? So the real question we're asking here is a bad on purpose movie better or worse than a Dracula movie with no Dracula shit and also features brownface? So, I think the question is bad on purpose or accidentally bad. Right. Uh, I feel like I want to give the edge to Wacko. Honestly, because at least it tries to deliver on the premise of being sort of John Waters on Whippets, where Dracula Untold, he never does some Dracula shit at all in that movie, and it's very disappointing. No, he just turns into bats, like, once, and not even, like, a bat (laughs) on a string, like, a cloud of bats. Fuck that. Yeah, honestly. Give me Children of the Night, motherfucker. (laughs) So, Bestoink Dooley, or... Mr. Dr. Graves. His first name is Doctor. He's not actually a medical (laughs) doctor. No, no, yeah. So the guy who who played Mitchell or Bestoink Dooley, I actually feel pretty good placing uh, Wacko from 1982 above Legend of Mikolov's Mountain, a.k.a. Legend of Blood Mountain, a.k.a. The Passion of Bestoink Dooley, and below the, uh, gra- the the music video movie Ghosts by Michael Jackson. Wacko Jacko, you're gonna put Wacko, Wacko J- below Wacko Jacko. <laughs> I will. I listen. I am burying Wacko Jacko on this podcast. <laughs> which, by the way, who, which 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 tabloid demon came up with that as the moniker they were gonna use for him? Do you know the conspiracy about Wacko Jacko yeah, or about about Wacko Jacko? I do not. His Michael Jackson's publicist fed that name to the tabloids to make him have a mysterious image. So it was him. He was the reason that horrible moniker made its way into the public consciousness. That's at least what I have heard. Now, I've heard a lot of things. Um, I also have played Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Uh, oh, many times. Yeah, so, uh, you know, who knows what's real and what's not anymore. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, yeah. Like, Ghosts by Michael Jackson, I I mean, it's not good, but it's sort of illuminating for the frame of mind Michael Jackson was in. Yeah, it's at fascinating. The of the 90s. Yeah, that, I just, I love so much Michael Jackson's imagination of what mean people say to him. Yeah, <laughs> because it's, it's not you. what any human being ever says. <laughs> You weirdo! You're a you're a you're a freak, Michael. Like it's it's wonderful. So yeah, so uh, I feel good putting uh, this in. All right, so coming in at our new uh, number three hundred and thirty uh, above the Legend of Legend of Macaulay's Mountain, aka Legend of Blood Mountain, aka Passion of the Swing Dooley, and below Ghosts by Michael Jackson 
is Wacko from 1982. Two Graydon Clark movies at drastically different spots on the list. <laughs> it, 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 feels, it feels good and right, I think. How much time do we have? I'm not looking at the recording. Oh, we have. Uh, oh, plenty. We have 20 minutes. Oh God, we went through this fast. Well, um, but it's I have but it's good. Open, so let's look at the requests. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, so let's do some listener requests. Yeah. Uh, the Shining. Oh man! All right, so this was from uh, Tumblr. Yes, I anonymous believe. wants us to rank The Shining. Oh fuck! We still and they pointed out that like we we are uh, hundreds of movies deep onto this list, three hundred and fifty eight movies, and we have not ranked or done uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. I'm going to tell you right now, it is the number one film on this list. I hate The Shining. How could All right, you here we possibly go. hate The Shining? You must tell me. <laughs> I, so the reason that I hate The Shining, and I say this, like, it's technically speaking, like, it's a beautiful movie to look at. Like, the way that it's shot, the way that it's shot. So the thing is, I feel like there are no actual characters in this movie aside from Jack Torrance. Like, the movie is so obsessed with Jack Torrance that, like, the house is way more of a character than Shelley Duvall or the kid from The Shining. Oh, that's very uh, true. They're just kind of, like... Yeah. reacting they're they're furniture or yeah they're their furniture scatman crothers is just there and it's like this movie wasted scatman crothers i feel like the reason i don't care for the shining is because it all right now and and this is a point of contention i think i feel like stanley kubrick and this is not a thing he ever actually said but i feel very much like he looked at horror as a genre and went I'm going to elevate your lowly genre, and I'm going to adapt a Stephen King story, and somehow siphoned out all of the interesting things about the novel The Shining, and just made it so that, like, it wants you to identify for some fucking reason with an abusive alcoholic father, and it wants you to hate Shelley Duvall and the kid. It wants you to, like, I mean, the, 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 the house is the main character of the thing, and I need more from that. And I feel like if this movie had just been a movie that I had, like... I mean, and obviously me saying that I hate The Shining, it's a fucking iconic movie. Like, so many of the shots and the scenes from this movie are things we talk about in conversation, like, every day, probably. It is legitimately terrifying. Yeah, it is legitimately terrifying. Uh, Jack Nicholson is great as Jack Torrance. Um, but it... I don't feel like it's a legit... I, I feel like it's not a movie about characters I care about. Like, the character work is... I, I really like characters in like as, as the main thing that I like about things. And this has exactly two characters and one of them is a house. Okay. Counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Our current number one movie is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which has zero likable characters. <laughs> Oh, like not and even all of not... the characterization is pretty much extra textual. The reason oh, why yeah. so many of us love Leatherface is because of what's essentially our head cannons. Right, that he's like an he's a, he's a large child who's afraid of his family. Yeah, that's not textual. That's just our imagination. 
That makes sense. I, well, and it's not even like necessarily that there are no likable characters in The Shining. It's that I feel like the movie has a disdain for Danny and for like I, I don't know. Like it, it's it's off putting in a way that and like I shouldn't know how the sausage was made for this because when I watch it, I just get fucking angry on Shelley Duvall's behalf for how fucking badly she was treated during this production. Yeah, that's that's kind of hard to to look past. Yeah, and although I do love the fact that apparently the kid that plays Danny in The Shining had no idea that this was a horror movie. <laughs> like, the way that it was shot, like, I honestly, it's a thing that I love so much about The Babadook, which, by the way, is at, is at number 13. Um, I love that the director of The Babadook, any time that it was the mother and The Babadook screaming or being, like, abusive or terrible to this child, was not actually doing it at the child who, like, you did not see the child on screen because the child was very far away from it. Because the director was like, look, um, there's n- a movie is no reason to traumatize a child. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, that's that's not okay. But yeah, so The Shining... Now, all right. So I, I'm kind of... A, I'm, I'm kind of crusty about The Shining. I will give it its, its fucking uh, propers here. It is a classic fucking horror movie. The... Even... Look, even the carpet pattern from this movie is fucking iconic. Yeah. What does like, that say it, that the carpet is iconic? Well, the carpet is more of a character than Shelley Duvall gets. <laughs> like, she's there to yell and be upset and get chased. Like, it's... Really, I, I think Danny it's the, is the the is the point of view character. To be fair, yeah. Danny's set up to be the point of view character because of those camera shots that are basically hooked up to the back of his big wheel when he's riding yeah, through wheel. the hotel that's right. supposed to be our kind of like point of view yeah we're, we're meant to see this through danny's eyes now in in the shining's defense it does have a really good soundtrack it's shot beautifully i think my 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 beef with kubrick and this might alienate many of our listeners and i'm i'm very sorry i think the problem is that when, when you've been when you've had enough like important film conversations I think sometimes you, imp- you you get a hate for a director that's not even that director's fault you just decide you know what actually fuck Kubrick because you know and, and, and you, you create reasons for why you don't like him and mine is that I feel like a lot of Kubrick's movies I appreciate technically but it's like being forced to sit and watch a really brilliant kid play Minecraft for like two hours and you're like yeah that's a beautifully constructed shot I don't fucking give a shit about any of these characters because you're too interested in the shot and you forgot to actually make this about people. I think that's fair. I just would say that if you look at our top five, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of... Actually, our top almost 20. Very few of these movies are actually about character as much as they're about the way they're put together. Because right. the and thing if- has excellent characters... But we're talking about it because of those special effects. Mm-hmm. Well, and of, and of course, like I, so much of us talking about either The Thing or The Shining, it kind of just comes down to if we like the movie, we are gracious enough to it that we read all this stuff into it. That like, you know, The Thing, I could be like, well, no, The Thing is totally about characters because it's about, you know, at the very end of it, Childs and McCready acknowledge the futility of their shared distrust and they share a drink. And it's really all about people and Somebody who likes The Shining could very easily go, well, this is a movie about abusive family dynamics. <laughs> like, 
they're, they're all about deeper themes if we want them to be about deeper themes. But they're also just what they are if you don't want them to be. Right. And now, all right, here's my question. Am I being crusty or unfair to Kubrick by being like Kubrick tried to elevate a genre that didn't need elevation? No, I think for sure. Uh, but to be fair, Polanski did the same thing. And Polanski oh, yeah. is very high on this list. And we all love Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, yeah. Rosemary's Baby is very good uh, and very high on this list, despite having a pretty reprehensible director, uh, which is also a um, counterpoint for, like, text versus artists in terms of, like, Mm -hmm. reprehensible crew. Um, Yeah, completely right. But, yeah, I so all this to say... I am a crank about The Shining, but also even my cranky fucking curmudgeon ass has to acknowledge that this is technically a great movie. It's just, it's not my favorite, but I can appreciate, like, how the imagery from this movie has also largely shaped how horror has looked since The Shining from... Yeah, yeah, it's really... um, difficult to, like, get out does not get to occur without The Shining. And The Babadook certainly does not get to occur without The Shining. Oh, shit. The Babadook, like, especially for claustrophobic family dynamics where there's something wrong with a parent. Like, yeah, no. I, I So The Shining is not my favorite, but I would say if we're being real, I would probably put The Shining above The Omen. So you'd say it's better than The Omen, but um, then that would put it below Psycho, and I think that... Okay, so why should it not go above Psycho? I would say, I don't think it should go above Psycho because, especially for Hitchcock, Psycho is so much a part of Hitchcock's influence on horror, where Stanley Kubrick dabbled with the one movie in horror and did The Shining, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there there are Kubrick movies I'm either forgetting or are technically horror off the top of my head, where Psycho, I feel like, is part of an overall oeuvre from Hitchcock that influenced horror. Like, The Shining's influence on horror influenced the way horror was shot. I think Psycho influenced so much narratively yeah. for the future of horror. And I think Psycho and other Hitchcock movies really kind of helped Jalo as well. And oh, definitely. no one is looking at Shining, and as, as influential as it is, no one is saying, we need more haunted hotel movies. They're just like, that's a good movie. Yeah, it, that's exactly right. Like, we don't particularly need, or like, you know, movies where a family is on a trip and a parent goes crazy and tries killing their family. Like, yeah, where with Psycho, so much of what happens narratively in Psycho... I feel like Psycho broke that ground. Like, the Marion Crane twist, the fucking... The POV kill... I, I don't know. It's it's so it's so good and watchable for me in a way that uh, The Shining is not watchable because it's so cold and so hostile toward humans. Yeah, but so is Alien, Halloween, The Thing, and the Texas thing. Chainsaw Massacre. They're all ah, that's, nihilistic. That's we are alone in the universe, and the only way to be is mean to each other. <laughs> yeah, but however, I, will I would also say... tell you that the acting 
and the characterization of Psycho are excellent. Absolutely. And also, I I mean, apropos of nothing, uh, Norm, like, Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates, he could get it. Like, even post-reveal, I, I love that they took, like, teen matinee idol Anthony Perkins and had gave us that twist. Because it's easy to look back on it now and be like, oh, obviously we know that Norman Bates is the killer, but that would be like doing a movie now where, like, hey, guys, it's Harry Styles popping, and also Harry Styles is dressing up as his dead mother, and there's a weird incest thing, and he's killing people. Like, if you don't see it coming, it's wonderful. And so, yeah, so I, I would I would put Psycho above The Shining. Yeah, I actually can also argue that for iconic cinematic moments, uh, Psycho mm-hmm. has more than um, The Shining, too. Now, here's yeah. the... The bigger problem, though, which has the better Simpsons Treehouse of Horror parody, Psycho or Ooh. The Shining? I was just thinking about The Shining Treehouse of Horror parody. You mean The Shining? Watching this. The Shining, thank you. Where he just gets like locked in the uh, the kitchen and just decides to stay there. Um, I feel like I gotta go with the sh- the shinning over the. Wait, I I don't remember the Treehouse of Horror riff on uh, on Psycho. I don't think there's been a specific one. I think it's just something that is just, you know, pop culture in general has dabbled with. Yeah. However, I would also say you know what's more iconic than anything from The Shining, is is uh, Bernard Herrmann's score for Psycho, both the intro theme and the re re re. Yeah, for during sure. During the shower scene. Like, I mean, if we're going with hashtag iconic horror moments, I find it really hard to find any moment from The Shining that is more iconic than that one moment from Psycho. Right, right. And the only thing I can think of is weird dog man. Right. Or here's Johnny, maybe? Yeah. Or That weird dog yeah. man is, is great, because even <laughs> in the year of our Lord 2019, I don't know why he's there. He's just weird there. Weird dog blowjob. Just weird, weird furry dog men showing up, giving you the "Hey, do you mind?" face while giving a blowjob. Like it's now that moment. I don't know what the actual point of that was. I think it's just it's uncomfortable. Like, the same with the like, rotting yeah. bathtub woman. It's just what the fuck is this movie doing right now? It's like an IRL shit post. Those moments in The Shining. Like I'm, I'm here for just disturbing imagery that is disturbing for the sake of being disturbing. Yeah, and that's totally what it is. Yeah. So yeah. So I feel really good about that. So coming in at our new number nine, number nine, uh, below Psycho but above The Omen is The Shining. Thank you for that submission. All right. So if you want to put in a submission, just go to our Tumblr, which is rankandvile.tumblr.com, and stick that in our ask box. You can also shoot us a line at our email address, rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Uh, Ryan, will you talk about our other social medias? Absolutely. So you're going to be able to find us on Instagram, which is run uh, entirely by Quincy at uh, Just Rank and Vile, and on uh, Tumblr, obviously, Just Rank and Vile. We are mostly on Twitter at Rank and Vile Cast uh, at Twitter. So get at, get at us there. Um, again, if if you have any, um, wait, you've already said the bit about the request, right? Yeah. We are on Letterboxd. We are on Stitcher. We're on Last FM. Um, We're even on you- YouTube. 
yeah, we are on YouTube with a playlist for like uh, we, because here on Rank and Vile, we are deeply passionate about one thing in this world, and it's uh, tie-in raps from horror movies. Hey, if you could do us a solid and rate us on your podcatcher of choice, or uh, just tell a friend about us, that would be really cool. Hell yeah, um, because I, I, I mean, mostly how anybody has heard of this show, I think, is through word of mouth. So every time. You know, you're doing an uh, uh, an Uber ride, and you're 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 ferrying uh, drunks to their uh, destination. Uh, ups, up, upset those drunks by putting on Rank and Vile, and uh, l- listen to me shit on a beloved classic. Uh, and yeah, I I think that's uh, that's about all I got. You got anything else? That's it. Stay spooky, y'all. Later, folks. <laughs>